I'd like to invite you in a walk. Let us imagine a village with a well in the center from which clean spring water flows. Let's call it Dandelion Hill. And this is a hobbit village, a halfling village. Those creatures you may remember from Lord of the Rings or D&D or any number of fantasy works. These villagers work together to tend to parts of the land that produce food. It's not quite agriculture. They don't plant fields, as such, of monocultures. But they go to the woods around their area, where the mushrooms come every year, where the berries come every year, and they help these spots along. They have a spot under the old oak tree. Could use a little more moisture that year. Perhaps they do something to help provide it. Maybe they redirect some of the limbs so that the water flows just so. Perhaps in another part of the woods, they set fire to clear the way so that some of the apple trees have more room. And this hobbit village works this way for a while. When something goes wrong, when there's a storm, and it destroys old Bartholomew's barn, the village gets together and helps him out. His cousins, their wives, their children. When Harriet and Bombo got married, the village came together to build their house to give them some of the hunt, to give them some of the fish that they found. When they want something that the other has, maybe they might barter. Perhaps Bombo makes really nice braided flowers. And when he sees the polished stick that his friend Bob has, Bombo gives Bob the flowers for the stick. But for the most part, people pick up what they're going to use. They use it. And maybe they might leave it aside or give it to each other once they're done using it. And they may have some items that they really appreciate that are theirs and theirs alone. But this goes on for some time. Until one day, 
A fancy elf comes into town, wearing clothes that are more complex than anything the hobbits have ever seen. From a place he calls the city, and he seems intelligent beyond his years, and cunning too. And he observes them for a time and sees how they live. And one day, when Bombo goes down to the river to fish and does not find fish, the elf, Elendril, whispers in his ear, Wouldn't you like fish now? Wouldn't it be great? If someone just always had fish for you whenever you wanted. And Bombo agrees, yes, this would be splendid. It'd also be nice to have eggs whenever he wanted. All right, all right, all right, Yolandril says, with a glint in his eye. I've got something for you. I've got something for all of you. Something that'll get everyone what they want says the elf. A fortnight later, Bombo gathers the town under one roof. And they listen as Elendril the elf talks to them about a way of living that will give them exactly what they want. I brought some troll teeth, he said. These are little stones shaped like teeth. And you can't really make them in quite the same way. They have uh, marble to them that you wouldn't find in normal stone. So you can't really find them around here. But I've got them, Ilandril says. And Bombo asks, What are we to do with those? What use are these stones that are shaped like teeth. And Harriet echoes this and says she's had enough of this so-called city boy's words. And Elendril says, But oh, wouldn't you like a dress as blue as my coat? And Harriet admits that she indeed she would. So Elendril continues, I have one hundred of these stones, these teeth, and I can distribute it evenly among you. And every time you want something from each other, instead of haggling or bothering with finding something that the other has that you want, you can use these instead. You can give each other these stones and these stones will represent what you have. And if you find people like me from the city, you can also give them these stones to get things like blue cloth or fruits that you've never had before, even eggs that you might never have had before, all from far away, because they all accept these stones as payment. Payment? asked Harriet. What's that? It's when you give someone something 
in return for something else, Elendril explains. And so, after a lot of discussion, the head hobbit, Garovar, says, Sure, we'll give it a shot. Elendril gives them the stones and takes off. Throughout the year, the hobbits start to use these stones to exchange services and goods. Eventually, they start to realize that some of them have many more stones than others, and others have fewer stones, and they would all like more stones. So, the next year, Elendril comes through again, and they ask him for more stones. And he says he can get more, but there's a trick. Every year, you will owe a few more stones based on the stones that I'm giving you now. And the people of Dandelion Hill asked about how they're going to get more stones to give it back to him. And he explained that all they would have to do is owe him more of the fish, more of the flower wreaths, more of the chairs that they made in their local area. And as long as they produced a little bit more every year, he would come back with more stones. Um, and as long as they took his stones now, that would mean that they owed him more fish next year. And so they agreed that they would work harder and give him more goods in exchange for the stones now. And so, for the next year after that, they went back to work and they worked a little harder. And when a storm came down and hit old Bartholomew's barn again, this time people wanted some stones to help him out because, after all, he had a bunch of stones. And so, they did exchange some stones in order to help him out. And they realized that it started to matter a little more whose was what and what land was whose because if you caught a chicken on your land or some fish on your land then maybe you should be getting the stones for it from Elendril instead of the next guy over. And this continued for some time. A few thousand years later, the people of Dandelion Hill, the hobbits of Dandelion Hill, had slowly expanded out. When the poorest among them could not have any stones to pay for things, they simply gave all their land and other good-producing things to the people who did have stones. And this cycle continued until they gave their own services themselves to the people who had stones. And everyone would track who owed who how many stones. And as you get, went about your life, you would do the same thing for yourself. And so over time, driven by this, Dandelion Hill grew bigger and bigger because he needed to grow bigger in order to pay Elendril back the stones they would owe by getting more stones every year 
from giving him more goods every year. And Elendril didn't really grow old like they did, but he did come back every year. And as Dandelion Hill grew, so did their gods. Where before they might have had many gods, over time, Barla 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 Barl, the goddess of the hearth, slowly took over because her priests used the stones to pay for offerings as well as to give offerings up to Barla 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 Barl, the goddess of the hearth. And slowly, the goddess of the hearth became the primary goddess of Dandelion Hill, which really helped their first king take over the villages around them. And slowly they began taking over not just hobbit villages, but human villages and dwarf villages that did not have this system of stones. And because they didn't have the system of stones, they did not grow bigger. And they didn't specialize. Because as Dandelion Hill grew bigger, instead of going into the woods and simply encouraging a group of plants or animals along, they started having fields that all planted one thing or a group of animals that were all just one animal because that was more efficient to get a whole bunch of things to very many different people as they grew bigger. And so Dandelion Hill became an empire. But there was something off about the hobbits of Dandelion Hill, where before they had been grateful to be alive every day, they soon felt something missing from their lives, and they tried to fill this with more and more com complex rituals that they formed for their goddess of the hearth by even throwing more stones, more troll teeth at the goddess of the hearth and at the people around them. They hoped to calm themselves. By amassing more stones, they also hoped to calm themselves and to evade death itself. The stones, you see, never decayed, like everything else. And because they never decayed, they gave a sense of the immortal, of something undying. And soon, all the hobbits wanted to be like the stones, undying and unchangeable. And so they tracked themselves in that way, until a new god that sprung from the priests of the goddess of the hearth came along and promised them this eternity, this immortality. And just like Elendril, they had to owe, they had to give this god something first for that immortality. And so they gave him their behavior. They gave him their minds and they gave him their souls. 
they tracked what they did, just as they tracked what they did with the stones, in the same way that they knew what their cousins owed them, and what their uncles owed them, and what life owed them. They knew what they owed their new god. And so, instead of saying, thank you, they began to say, I'm sorry, when someone experienced their pain. Because now it was known that they owed people a certain standard of behavior. And if they did not fit the standard, then they fell short. They were not worthy of Dandelion Hill. And so they apologized profusely over and over again until it became a daily habit. Until their minds became like their relationship with Elendril, where new goods would need to be produced every year, and if more goods were not produced, then they fell short. And that then they would owe their lives completely to the new god. Just like they owed their lives completely in the past to whoever had the most stones. And so, Dandelion Hill found industry. Since everyone owed everything, they worked very hard on very small things and killed themselves by the drove in an effort to bring railroads and steam and ovens to pass. And this produced a lot of miraculous works. Their technology outpaced a lot of magic. They were known the world over as the strongest kingdom, as the strongest land. Until one day, they grew so strong that they almost destroyed the world. And after that, they stopped believing in their god, in their chance at immortality. Yet, having forgotten how to give, having forgotten how to be grateful, all they remembered was how to owe, how to be of service to the production of the next year. And so, without even the solace of the promise of immortality, they continued working in order to pay down what they felt they owed, feeling like they would never measure up to the amount that they owed. They had built so many great works through feeling that they were less than they were, and now that they seemed to have it all, now that they seemed to have conquered the world, they stewed like so many slaves. Yet, the stones, the troll's teeth that Ilandril gave them, did not make all these great works. Instead, it was the people themselves, just as they had come 
to Bartholomew's barn when the storm broke, and just as they had built the house for Harriet and Bombo, all these works were created by them. And so even as they felt worthless, they'd forgotten that none of this would have been possible without them. You see, the troll's teeth, the stones, the money, ran on love. It took love, and just like the concept of property, sold it back to the people and said, you can measure out love and use it to build great things. So even as people owed, they forgot how much love they were capable of in truth. And the hobbits were faced with this question when Elendril came knocking one last time. This is a story, just a story. It's yours, and it's mine.